Mark chapter 6. We'll read a few verses starting in verse 45. Mark chapter 6, 45. We'll read through verse 52 and we'll pray. And we'll see if we can get some things from God's book here tonight. Starting in verse 45, it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up to them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hard. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you have given to us in it, Lord. We do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, thankful for the precious blood that was shed on Calvary for our sins, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you do hear our our prayer of repentance, Lord, and that you do forgive sins. Lord, we're thankful that you're long-suffering toward us, Lord. We're thankful that you are patient toward us. Lord, you truly are the good shepherd. Lord, might you speak to us through your word. Might the Holy Spirit of God do a work in our hearts. Strengthen us as a people. Strengthen us as a church to continue as we do toil, Lord, for you. And it is in Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago, in Saturday morning, uh, Brother Carl Williams gave the devotion. And he went to Jude chapter 1, verse 21. And it was a wonderful verse, and he had several good thoughts in there, and I think he had more time. He really could have preached some, some more things and some more uh, topics. But he opened the door. He opened the door for me to walk through it. He said, there is a lot more in this you could preach on, and I don't have time to it. And so, Brother Carl, that verse helped inspire me a little bit for some of this message here tonight, and I appreciate that. Thank you for that. And it is it is a a wonderful thought in Jude chapter 1. I'll read it for you here real quick. It, It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And that was the, the main emphasis of that. And keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And I told pastor, I said, I really enjoyed that devotion that morning. It was something I needed. It helped me. Uh, it has been, and I think, a, a common thing among many of the brothers and sisters here that it has been trying over the last few months. And, and for me, this summer... Uh, I have felt a little bit disjointed. That is a word that I know others have felt. Just a, it just way things go from time to time. Uh, I know with, with our life, things that we normally do consistently, regularly as a family got a little bit sideways. There were wrenches thrown in there. 
And it just, it just went awry a little bit. Not saying we were caught up in deep sin and total rebellion and, you know, that we were drinking and smoking and cursing and doing all this other stuff. Not, we didn't go that way, but it just wasn't the way it was. There was a little bit, uh, a lack of focus in some areas. There was a lot of busyness and we do need to be busy. There was toiling. But in some of this for us, for me, it seems like I got a little out of focus what I was working for. And in that, there were things in my, uh, that I normally was doing in my personal life and, and, and walk with the Lord that, uh, was getting neglected a little bit. And all that was having an effect. And I know it was a, a thing in discussions with many that many were feeling. I know our pastor was, and that's part of why this program, and we call it a program, we, what, what we're gonna, what we're calling this thing that we're doing in Sunday school is just, again, it's just for getting focus back on the things that we've all done. I mean, there's nothing new in this that he's going through, right? We go to church. We read our Bible, we pray, we have different ministries and things we involved. We're toiling, we're doing the work of the Lord. It's just keeping that focus on Christ and where it ought to be. And that is the part that I liked about this particular verse in Jude that our brother brought out is keeping yourselves in the love of God. I, I think personally, after uh, meditating on that a little bit, after hearing the brother uh, exhort on those on that verse and that thought, that it is imperative if we're going to continue in the work of God, we've got to keep ourselves in the love of God. We've, we've got to be in the center of that. We've got to be immersed in that. Otherwise, as we do serve the Lord, as we do go through this life and do work, we will quickly get out of focus. If we are in that center of God's love, then perspective is a very important aspect of life, is it not? And it keeps proper perspective when we are in the center of where we ought to be. And so as that comes out, it'll be a thought or a theme through this message here tonight. You know, in the aspect of consistency, there, you, there is all things regarding consistency. Consistency can be a very negative thing. It can be a very positive thing. It's how it is in and how it's being used. I know a lot of you ladies, you're into cooking, baking, things like that. There's consistency of stuff when you're doing that has to be just right. Right? I mean, you can have a bad consistency of stuff and the outcome is not going to be good. So the type of consistency is very important. I, I, my wife has heard me say this, but you can be consistently inconsistent in your life. And people can count on you to be consistently inconsistent. Which is another word for untrustworthy. It's one of those words that you say, oh, I'm going to be there, I'm going to do that, be lame. Yeah, we'll see. It's hit or miss, right? Consistently inconsistent. It, it, it can go many ways. We can be consistently on time, we can be consistently late. It's, it's just character, however you want to look at it, 
But to me, looking at consistency in the various passages of Scripture is being faithful in the things that God has asked us to do. If we're going to be consistent, we need to be consistent in keeping ourselves in the love of God. That is important. That is critical. I would say that it is difficult always to stay there because there are so many things in this world, in this life, that try to pull us from being there. It's just the truth. We do have an enemy. We do have a world that has an agenda. And that agenda of that world is to suck everybody into its trap, into its ways. Look, the, the LGBTQ agenda clearly is to get everybody to agree 100% with that. That is their agenda. And it is not just then to agree, it is to become part of it, immersed in it. Look, that's what they're doing to these kids. It's indoctrination. Uh, it, I read an article this morning that was quite interesting. He's, he said, he, he's an old school preacher. He'd come through the 60s and 70s, and he was a rocker and on drugs in those days. And he says it's interesting that we're seeing some of these old rockers that are coming out who dressed basically in those days, 70s, early 80s, like they were in drag. And they're coming out and repudiating this agenda of indoctrinating kids on gender. And they're right. It's wrong to do that. They shouldn't be indoctrinated. But there they are dressed in drag and they're incensed by all this. He says, we're listening to a man who calls himself Alice Cooper. Alice, a girl's name, spelled like a girl's name repudiating this. He says, we're messed up. We are. You know, and now they're on our side. I mean, that's who conservatives we're going to. We've got Alice Cooper in our back pocket, you know, on our side. That's sad. That is very sad. Uh, Just like Fox News, you know who they have on their side. Bruce Jenner, who goes by Caitlyn Jenner. That's messed up. Anyways, that's not part of this. I don't know where that, oh, being consistent in things. All right. Okay, because that's not consistent. So verse 45, verse 45 in this text, it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. Look, clearly in this text, it begins with, if we're going to keep ourselves in the love of God, we need to be obedient in listening to Christ's command. Right? Don't you think that's that's normal? I, I, I do. I think that's a, a standard thing. Look, if if God is the captain, he is the captain of our salvation, clearly says that in Scripture, right? Then we need to abide by the things that he says. We need to have our ears open to hear his direct commands, his instruction. He is always right. Anybody want to tell the Lord that he's not always right? I mean, you know, I'm not always right, but the Lord is always right 100%. So when he speaks, We should listen. And clearly, part of his instruction is very clear in his word. 
And in his words, he gave the disciples instruction. He straightway, and he constrained his disciples. I mean, he is putting them together and saying, get in the ship, go to the other side, and, and, and go and get ready for what I have for you to do. He was very specific in what he asked. I believe the Lord in Scripture is specific what he's asked, even our, our church, Temple Baptist. Well, what's God's will for my life? Well, we know God is not willing that any should perish. Look, I, I was just reading again in Proverbs this morning and the things that we're supposed to do, even with our neighbors. I don't know how many of you read a Proverbs a day, but it, in the Proverbs today, it spoke about how we're to behave and act with our neighbors, that we're not supposed to do anything that's going to cause trouble, right? It means like, don't go throw a piece of garbage on their lawn. You know, they might do something to you. Their dog may have, you know, done something on your lawn and you don't appreciate, so you do twofold, fourfold back, right? No, we shouldn't be doing things like that. I, I've got a temper that way. I, I do. I was at a church, or church in Yuma. I watched this guy come up to our bushes, and he looks around and he throws a bunch of garbage behind our bushes. And I spent a lot of time trying to keep that place and that church clean. And I mean, I got excited. <laughs> I went busting out that door and I said, hey, I said, I need to know where you live. What's your address? Where do you live? Why? I said, well, you like to treat our church like a garbage dump, I says, I've got a bunch of garbage over here that I need to return the favor to you for, because apparently that's what you like your place to be used as. I'm not advocating that. I had for a moment stepped out of keeping myself in the love of God and God in the flesh, right? And was even going contrary to some principles in Scripture. I was wrong. The Lord's instructions, the ways he gives us, he is right. And we need to keep him the center. Look, the Lord had provided everything for them. It wasn't unreasonable of what he had asked them to do. They were just well fed. Look, that ship should have been packed full of provisions. Remember, there were 12 baskets full that they had just got done eating. Things were good. Can we not honestly say we are well fed and taken care of as a church? Look, a lot of us worry from day to day that we are gaining too much weight. We're not starving to death. I'm saying God has blessed us. He has taken care of us. I know things are maybe seeming a little difficult from time to time. I agree with the pastor when he brought up that this morning. Look, the, the, the thing that our younger generation is facing is true. We may face some persecution. We may face some hardships just spending some time with the Hedricks. John, in the business he is, he sees that. He's concerned that the next generation coming up, it's going to be more difficult for them to own a home. It's going to be harder for some of these things. I agree. But look, today, right now, are we not blessed? Does not God take care of us? Shouldn't we just be considered today God's command that what he has asked us to do to go forward and serve him faithfully, trusting him every day, get in the ship, 
Go and do His will. There is much to do. It's not always easy, but we just need to be obedient, trust Him, realize that God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. He has. If we were to look back and take stock, take account, just like the disciples, everything's been done. The Lord has taught them. He had spent personal time with them, teaching them. He has proved himself to them over and over that he is able, that he is capable. Has that not been witnessed in your life that God is able? We need to trust him. And when he constrains us to get into the ship and to go, go into unknown waters, go into areas that may be uncomfortable, go into areas of our life and our spiritual life that we haven't been that we haven't stepped forward in. It may be that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to some man, you know, I need to go to prayer meeting once a month, twice a month. I need to step out and do this. Listen to the Lord's leading as you're going to pass out a track. Look, I'll be honest, the other day, I was struggling a little bit. It was one of those days, off days, and I know clearly it was, hey, you need to give them a track. And I, I didn't have one on me, but my wife was with me, and I knew she had one in the, her purse. And I'm like, no, shame on me. You know, there was a tugging. And then I went and left and felt guilty. And then I started going through all these things in my mind of people that I had opportunity to do that for, and I have ignored. You know, God has just asked us, to tell others about Him. You know, we we can be very quick and very easy and very comfortable to start talking politics. We get in with somebody and, and they're on the same side of the aisle politically as us, then we can wax eloquently on those things. But boy, we have something far better than politics. We have Jesus Christ. He's asked us to get into the ship. He has asked us to go forward trusting Him. We just need to be obedient to His command and do this. Clearly in verse 48, as we read, it says, And He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And look, the voyage of obedience. We get into that ship and we go forward and we depart into areas that may be uncomfortable and unknown, be prepared that it's not always going to be easy. The voyage of obedience is not always easy. It's not always pleasant. It's not always comfortable. And it wasn't for the disciples. But the Lord knew. He had prepared them. He sent them off and sent them into this position in this this state that they found themselves in. And there they are. And I would say for those that have served the Lord and for a number of years that you could agree with that statement. That it's not always easy in that voyage of obedience. Look, there's reproach. Some of you get that from family members. You'll get it from your peers, young people. You're going to get it from the people the year around. You're going to want to do right, and they're going to, ooh, that's stupid. They don't call you squares or anything else like that anymore. You know, I know way back in the day, goody two-shoes or whatever, I don't know what they call you now. What do they call you, Spencer? 
<laughs> it got that bad. He said they can't even say now what they call you. Anyways, moving right along. See, things have gotten bad. Wow. I'm glad you didn't say. We didn't have that awkward moment in church. <clears throat> I've done those from time to time. <laughs> Anyways, moving right along. So, I believe personally, and I think I've had enough conversation with our pastor and hearing him preach from time to time that he would agree with this, that there are definitely a difference in some trials and, and troubles in our life. Some, some, we have to, I would say, if you're honest, you have to admit they were created by yourself. I don't, yes, that happened to me. They, nobody else has created a problem on your own, your own doing. It, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. I owe you one. Next time you're looking for support, I'm there. I'll, I'll wave and say yes. <laughs> I'm not calling that out. No. <laughs> Anyways, we we've done that. We create our own problems from time to time. And we say, you know, woe is me. And, and it happens in this world. And the, the common thing that the world was, why did God allow that? You know, why? God didn't do that. Man chooses willfully to do things their own. We ch- willfully choose to do things on our own. And then when it's a problem, say, woe is me. Lord, why did this happen? But the fact is, the matter is, even doing right... There will be a trial of your faith. And it's talked about in Peter, right? That the trial of your faith. And I know it has been preached on, and it's true. It's real. Your faith, your obedience, your consistency in life to do good, your consistency in life to keep yourselves in the love of God, you're going to find some opposition. There's going to be those headwinds. There are going to be those things that oppose you. There's going to be that uncomfortableness of those cold waves in the middle of the night rolling over you in the ship. You know, there's if you've been on small boats, I have, it's not always pleasant on big waves. We were down in South Florida one time, and I tell you what, we were doing good. We're up top. There's the cool air. And then they wanted you to go down into that glass bottom of that boat and look at the fish and the other stuff down there. And there's no air moving in the bottom of that boat. You crawl down in there and you're looking and the fish is here and next it's here. And then it's here. And then it's there. And it's hot, and there's no air moving. And then a few minutes later, the kid down the path lets his lunch go. I hit the floor. And I'm like, I'm dying. The guy looks at me, are you okay? I'm crawling out of the bottom of that boat. You know, but I put myself into that, right? For a good time, for some entertainment, It was my own fault and stupidity to blow the 20 bucks for my own ticket to do it. Never done it again. Never will. Learned my lesson. It's not always a good thing. It's not always pleasant. But this is an interesting thought by Charles Spurgeon, what he had to say about these things. He said, I am afraid 
that all the grace I have got out of my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might almost lie on a penny. He said, you could take all that, the grace from all that, and just put it on the top of a penny. But he said, but the good that I've received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. What do I not owe to the hammer and to the anvil, the fire and the file? Affliction is the best bit of furniture in my house. It is the best book in a minister's library. Again, it was his perspective of the things he went through in the Christian life on that voyage of obedience that he saw the Lord do. I'm just saying, Christian, we've gotten on this ship. We've followed the words of our Savior. There is some winds blowing. There is some waves. There are some things that are happening. Look, when you read this text, and it says, when the Lord went in the fourth watch, I mean, when you understand this, earlier in that afternoon they got on that ship, it's only at the widest part, like 10 miles across, some places five miles across. There they are, all night, 3 o'clock in the morning, going and still rowing this boat and trying to get to the other side. That can get a little discouraging. Look, I, I don't know, and I'm not going to say, well, the Lord's coming back tomorrow, but I would say that we're probably in that fourth watch. And it is a make or break point for the church, for Christians. Am I going to keep going or am I going to quit? Look, I, I believe that we don't need to go all night without calling on the Lord and asking for help. I believe that line of communication ought to be open. I think we ought to continue to be talking to Him and praying and asking for His strength and help. But even more so now. I believe that time is for us. Look, the work that we do now, if we are in God's will, can be bearable. I know there's some truths in scriptures from time to time that we read. And, and we need to hold on. I love the promises. I find myself quickly going to the promises. I probably by heart know more scriptures that are promises than the ones of that affliction is enjoyable. I just, my nature. You know, I need a little bit more of that from time to time in my life. I need a little bit more of that uplifting encouragement that I can get from God's Word. Because I do live in the reality of this world, and the other seems to come pretty easy. So I like to get into God's Word and get some things out of it. But I would say that as we go forward on this voyage that we need the work and the things that we do need to be according to His will. Because if we are in His will and going through a trial, I like this. Look at verse 48. And He saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, it says, He, who's He? Jesus Christ. He cometh unto them. 
walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. I like the fact that he was coming. Look, I, I know that when we're in God's will and we are in that time of affliction, we are facing those headwinds even now that Christ is coming. He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. But I'd say if we're not in His will and doing something else, I would say there is no promise of Him coming to rescue us in that. We need to go to Him. But we're in His love, keeping ourselves in the love of God, being obedient, getting on that ship that He has asked us to, being on that voyage of obedience that we can expect even when it seems like the most unlikely time, 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't like people knocking on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning. But if I'm on a ship out in the middle of the, the sea like that with the winds blowing and the waves crashing, I would like to see Jesus Christ come. And he proves himself in doing so. And I would say, church, with expectation, we can know that the Lord is there with us. If we're going to do His will, if we're going to be faithful, if we're going to commit to go forward and be consistent in the things that He's asked us to do, we can reasonably expect to know our Savior comes. You know, it was interesting as He, uh, in the first part of this, that the truth in Scripture, that things don't change. As He sent the disciples away to do His work, it says, and He went up and departed in a mountain to pray. You know, the fact of the matter is, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is on in that spiritual Mount Zion in heaven on the right hand of the Father. And it clearly tells us in Romans chapter 8 that He is making intercession for us. Nothing's changed with Him and what He is doing. It is true in the teaching to the church and with confidence we can know that He is still there at an elevated place and that He knows what's going on on that ship, that ship of obedience, that voyage of obedience that we are on, that He's asked us to do, that He does know and understand and sees. And at that right time and that perfect moment, He cometh. It's an exciting thing to me. I would also say, church, as we go forward, let's not make this voyage more difficult by having a hard heart. Look in verse 52. It says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. You know, as life gets us and we can become cynical, the world can make us cynical on different things, that our heart can get a little crusty, We can get a little bit unbelieving. We can get a little doubtful about what God will actually do on our behalf. You know, we can read great missionary stories and we can read other things. We can read about the Dunlops. We can read about others and what God is doing and how He's doing a work and saying, yeah, that's great. But is that the same God going to do that for me? This morning, I got to go quick here. I saw this article And you talk about people that were facing some headwinds in their life. And trusting God without hesitation, it had to be this family. It says, in October 2008, there was a boy named Noah Wall was born in England. 
Now, we all know the spiritual state of England. We know the political condition of England. We know all those things. It's not a God-favoring country. But there was a boy born with only 2% of his brain and with spina bifida. His parents were advised to abort him, but they refused. Noah's father, Rob, said, it was never an option for us. We wanted to give Noah that chance of life. The doctors persisted. That is, the winds were blowing at them. The pressures. And it says they pressured the walls to abort the baby on at least five separate times. Painting a very dire picture. He would basically be in a vegetative state, severely mentally disabled, unable to walk, talk, see, hear, or eat. He was only expected to live a few days. Their predictions medically were accurate. They were, they were reasonable. It was, yes, with what they were saying, yeah, that would be the, the likely outcome. But they turned out to be wrong. Parents trusted God. They were being obedient that they believed God gave life and that it was wrong to abort their son no matter the situation. And they refused to quit. They refused to succumb. It says that when he was born, he breathed on his own and cried and was alert. When he was three, the doctors were dumbfounded to find out he wasn't even supposed to live, and then he, he's three to find out that his brain had actually grown to 80%. That's God. Noah's mother, Shelley, said, Rob and I broke down when we heard the news. It was like a dream. I've never known anything like it. Even the consultants were in tears. Every time we would see the doctors, they'd just shake their head. They're just amazed at what he can do. Noah's parents have done everything possible to help him live a normal life, including obtaining the best medical care. He has had some surgeries, but Noah is now 12 years old. He can talk, he can walk, he can read, he can do math, he can surf, he can ski, he goes to school, and he loves science. That's God. Well, God is able still. That is the same God. This God that helped this family because them getting on that ship, that voyage of obedience, trusting Him implicitly to go forward and to do right, God is able to come and meet the need. That is our God. That is the God that can help us in this Christian life, in this Christian walk can help us to continue to be faithful and do the things that He has asked us to do. It is the same God. And as we look at the last thought here tonight, as we read in some verses here, we didn't read in our text, but verses 54, starting there, it says, And when they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew Him. And ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they, 
they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch it if it were, but the border of his garment and as many as it touched him were made whole. You know, Christian, I say, look, we may be going through and facing some headwinds, but let's look for in verse 50 to hear our Savior be of good cheer. He's given us that in His Word. Look, I understand. We, we have and we've preached some messages, and I agree. There is some headwinds. There are some difficulties. There are some things that I've gotten a little sideways on and distracted and drifted a little bit. But I, I want to hear our Savior say, be of good cheer. Keep toiling. Keep rowing. Keep going. There is a cause. There is a reason to do so. Let's look for expectation of Him coming. He has given us that promise. And it is clear in His Scripture. Look, these things, I believe, are not just for us to say, yep, that happened to the disciples. It is the same God. Let's trust Him. It is the same God that helped this family with their son Noah. You talk about a living testimony to the glory of God and His great work and His mercy of what He does. It is in a boy in England in a country that now hates God. That has a brain that they said He did not have because they believed in God. I'd look at this as well in verse 51 and it says, And when he said unto them in the ship, and when he went up to them into the ship, it says what? We went and see, look, Christian, the storm's not forever. It's not going to blow and it's not going to be the gales every moment of this Christian life. It is not total misery being a Christian. Especially when we keep ourselves in the love of God. When the Savior is in our midst, there is peace in the eye of the storm. Let's just let Him be a part of our life and our church. Let's get Him on the ship with us as we go forward. You know, in verse 21, we read in Jude about keeping ourselves in the very next verse following that. And, and, and nothing in Scripture is by coincidence. But verse 22 in Jude says, and if some having compassion, making a difference. Look, if we don't keep ourselves where we need to be and keep ourselves on that ship, on that voyage of obedience, we're not going to have that compassion and make a difference. Clearly in the text we read, the purpose is there are people that need Christ. They need Him. And God has asked us to deliver that glorious message. He has chosen the preaching of His Word. He has asked all of us, not just Pastor Mitchell, not just Brother Terry and Brother James, He's asked all of us to go forward with that message. Collectively, Temple Baptist Church, to go forward with that message there are spiritual lepers out there. There are spiritual people in situations that are just so crippled and so hurt and so maimed and so hurting. And the thing that can change them in an instance is the truth of Jesus Christ. The power of Christ is so strong that they believe that just a touch 
a piece of his clothing could bring them out of that spiritual or that physical captivity that they were in, that physical torment. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. He has asked us to live that way, that this truth of Christ, of what He can do in the lives of others that need Him, will have an effect. But will we keep toiling? Will we keep going forward? Will we let the storm that we are facing today overwhelm and discourage us to a point that we quit. Look, we'll miss out on that wonderful thing that we'll all say that we were faithful and then came Jesus. Right at that time, then came Jesus. We will miss out on seeing him do a miraculous work. I guess I am if you want to say foolishness enough to believe that in the dark hour that we are in, in the things that we're facing, that we could see the Lord do some of His greatest works yet. But we have to be faithful. Faithful is being consistent. Faithful.